Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as comedian and mixed martial arts trainer Ian Harris stops by for a chat, including what has happened to critical thinking? When it comes to socialism, would you like Stalin's gulags or Sweden? The joy of being a skeptic. Find me some good evidence, and I'll change my mind. Along with a good dose of MMA chat. So here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle figure of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome to episode 135 of the Drunken Taoist podcast. Couple of quick shout outs before we get going. Uh, one, I want to give a shout out to my friend Nick Gregoriades. If you are into jujitsu, he recently started this, um, this website called jujitsumasteracademy.com. He's, uh, Nick has been, he, he's, he has been a guest on the Drunken Taoist in the past. He's a great top-notch jiu-jitsu black belt and amazing instructor. And if you want to check out his work at jujitsumasteracademy.com, he provides instructions for people who are already somewhat skilled in jiu-jitsu for all belt levels. So check him out. I like Nick. He's the man. Also shout out to a new podcast called My West Coast Buds. These guys are into cannabis, coffee, spirits, comedy. So you can't go wrong. That's never a bad thing. My West Coast Buds. Now that we... Oh, well, actually, I have a couple of other shout-outs, if you guys don't mind. Of course, Never Tap Gear. At nevertapgear.com, they make primarily right now still um, knee braces to protect the knees when working out. They'll be adding also other things from rush guards and other good stuff. So keep an eye out for their stuff. They support Savannah M in her MMA career, so they have my undying loyalty. Also huge shout out to DynastyForge.com. These sweet folks know what my weak spots are. And so they send me some of their products, and their products specifically are swords. Yes, the magic of the blade calls me. Man, their stuff is awesome. They send me some of their swords. I just love them. So dynastyforge.com. Love these guys. Let's now get to the trifecta of the sweet people who keep us in business. Starting with onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T. Uh, this month, they are launching a six-week online bodyweight workout program that you can do at home called Onnit6. Um, their chief fitness officer, John Wolf, is running the program. So if you want to check it out, the website is onnit.com forward slash the number six. Actually, not I take that back, not in number, in uh, spelled out in letters. So 
S-I-X, onnit.com forward slash six. There's no equipment that you have to get. No, you know, it's all based on body weight exercises. I was taking a look right now at the website at some of the stuff that they do. It looks quite appealing. I can't wait to get into it. I want to try it out for myself. So I figure I would give you the heads up about it. Check them out. Of course, check out the sweet people at Datsusara who have been sending us some love all this time. Uh, DSgear.com with the greatest hemp gear on the planet. With the bags that me and Rich have been carrying all these years, every single day, we use nothing but Datsusara products because they are that good and because they love us, which is a big plus. And of course, last but not least, Sure Design t-shirts. I It's pretty much all I wear, really. Once in a while I rarely wear something else and then I feel guilty and whip myself, so... If you are finding yourself wearing a t-shirt other than Shore Design, you should be feeling very bad about yourself. If you are wearing Shore Design instead, you are authorized to feel extremely good about yourself. Having said all this, let's get the ball rolling with this episode. Okay guys, here we go with another episode. Sitting across from me, Mr. Ian Harris. Ian, wanna first welcome to the Drunken Taoist. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And um, just so for people who are not familiar with your work yet, um, if you wanna give a bit of an intro of what it is that you, the multiple things that you do in life, because <laughs> <Right? laughs> it's not just one thing. Um, yeah, so well, I'm a martial artist and a comedian, I guess, uh, primarily. And voiceover artist. So, and yeah, one of those multiple things, and I'm not sure if I'm good at any of them. First you knock them out, and then you make a funny joke about how they look after you knock them out. Yeah, or, or I make fun of them, and then when they rush the stage, That's boom, rear naked up. choke. Okay, so it's a, it's <laughs> a the well thing. It works yeah, exactly. both ways. That, I, keep, I keep waiting for that to happen so I can have a viral video and become famous. Right, like, just piss there, somebody uh, off. And... That thing with Maynard, right? The guy from Tool. Remember that scene? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When some fan rushed the stage, and Maynard heaped through him, and and continue singing while applying a rear naked choke to the guy. <laughs> that's that nice. was pretty glorious. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's my um, that's my my dream. Someday is that somebody I actually make somebody angry enough that they rush I, the stage. I have the half suspicion that Maynard staged it, so I wouldn't do it to just yeah. pay somebody to rush the stage <laughs> know, right? and throw them across the room. And see, now the thing is that I've mentioned it. Now if it really does happen, someone's oh, going to say it's like, staged. If I do course. stage it, someone's so, going to be like, eh. "Damn it." We screwed it up. Okay. You know what? No, it's okay. It's okay because that'll be the controversy. Was it really? Right. Then people can argue about. Of course. 10 million people can argue about whether it was stayed. No, because look at how he actually throws that punch at him. Yeah. Isn't that right. funny? That's like one of the things that happen in every single video ever. Oh, yeah. Like within two comments is, it's fake. It's yeah, staged. Yeah. No, it's real. It's like yeah, exactly. anything. And it's. Yeah, it's. Yeah. yeah. And well, you can. We're, we're still dealing with that if. Whether or not the Earth is flat, right, it's, right, like, yeah, it's right. fake. It's not. This is Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. that's some weird. Uh, Two hundred million photos from from the Hubble Space Telescope. It's fake. I think it's interesting <laughs> though because when you think about it, um, you know, pre nineteen sixties, there was this um, 
complete blind faith in government, in mm-hmm. institutions, you know, the experts tell you what's real, you know, mm-hmm. the government, you can trust your government and all of that. Clearly, post-1960s, when you see, you know, the claims about Vietnam and the reality, Watergate, uh, you know, you start discovering all this shit. You're like, oh, these guys are horrible people. You cannot trust the word they say. You really can't trust any government. You can't trust, you know, the expert opinion. Yeah, who's paying for that study? There's all those elements. And people find out. And at that point becomes the, you can trust anybody ever. Right, And of course, that's a problem too, because right. it becomes this uh, situation where it doesn't matter what the information is, it could be the most solid thing in the world, and right. half of the people are going to look at it and be like, no, it's not, it's yeah. made up, it's something, it's a Chinese hoax, it's whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I, you know, my, my comedy, everything comes from, I'm a skeptic, like mm-hmm. I, you know, and now skeptics don't even use the word skeptic because they've attached it to the people who deny climate. Exactly. Climate. But a skeptic is somebody who's scientifically minded, who'd who wants to look at both sides and decide right. what the evidence points to. And the idea is you have to be able to open to change. Like right. People change. People think, you know, that because I argue a lot that I'm not open to change. The opposite. If you convince me and show me evidence, yeah, I change. Done. I have multiple times I've done that. But it's funny because a lot of conspiracy theorists have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. The mindset is... You know, you always hear people. I have a lot of these conspiracy Alex Jones type friends that believe anything. <laughs> Jesus, and and it's their thought is they always say question everything. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're right. Question it, mm-hmm. but then when the answer comes, accept the answer. Yeah. What what question everything has come to mean is deny everything that that comes from anything that I deem an authority, and if I deem the government authority, the authority, then I can questioning it means denying everything the government says. Absolutely. If I deem the health industry. Authority. If I just deem Monsanto the authority, yeah. if I deem the medical industry the authority, now questioning them is fine, but that doesn't mean blanketly deny everything they say, even if they give me mounds of evidence. Of course. I mean, this idea that, that I hear all the time with like Big Pharma or, or the government that, oh, well, they're paying these scientists and this. I know scientists. None of them are getting kickbacks. I can guarantee you the people that are doing these research, I mean, not, I'm sure there are a few. But the most, the majority of people that are doing research to help help out the rest of the world with right. cancer research, they're not on the take, guys. They're just not. <laughs> and the funny thing is that, let's say you're right, right? And somebody's paying off somebody else. Or yeah, the government does horrible. Mm-hmm. Fine, great. That doesn't mean that it happens every single time. Right. You know, it's yes. like maybe it happens, okay, 20% of the time. That's a lot. Yeah. That means 80% it doesn't. Right, so exactly. It's like yeah. When it suddenly becomes a 100% blanket thing yeah. where it's like, and it's weird. It's like there's this very nihilistic thing about there is no truth, basically. There is no accepted truth. Nothing yeah. that ever gets said is it. There's yeah. always some hidden agenda. There's always... Yeah. It's a really dark side of the the good thing of stop having this blind trust in authority. Right. That was great. But what it led to is not so great. Right. And now, so, now, now there's a blind trust in anti-authority almost. Right. It's like now it's, yeah, it's gone so far. It's like the horseshoe spectrum of, a, yep. of politics where, you know, you go so far to the left, you become right. Yeah. You go so far to the right, you become left or whatever the deal is. It's, yeah, you go so far to the anti-trust that you're, yep. you're just as blanketly denying or blindly believing something. Absolutely. In, a, in an antithesis, like, I'm, I'm not believing it. Therefore, you know, yep. yeah, it's, it's, um, 
But the funny thing is both sides think they're the ones being open-minded. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's, it's always, you got to have an open mind and yeah, deny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I do have an open mind. I've done the research on it. The earth is not flat. Right. It's like, I don't need to be open-minded about that anymore. It's, it's been said and done. That's put to bed. We don't, you know. And I think it's funny what you were saying about what it means to you to be a skeptic. It's when you think about it, that shouldn't even need a label in theory because that's just how any human being who has right. three brain cells put together should think. Right. right? Yeah. Look at the evidence, base your conclusion on the evidence, yeah. be willing to change your mind if new evidence is introduced. Pretty standard, right? right yeah. it's like, except it's not. No. And then you're like, holy shit, why is it not? I mean, it's pretty basic. You know, yeah. It shouldn't be an extraordinary thing. No. But that it is. It's like I always mention there's, uh, I remember there was this. Um, Dan Carlin interview where he said basically that like he said I appreciate the compliments where people say that my approach is so novel and my way of thinking is so and he's saying but really what's that novel or special about listening to what somebody else has to say right considering and then coming to conclusion it really shouldn't <laughs> yeah, be no, it's not exactly genius yeah. level work that know? should it's be like, the base right yeah that should be except it's not no and so that's where it's like okay then well people don't I think we don't teach critical thinking and I think we also don't teach um, there was a moment where I remember in the late 80s early 90s when I was graduating high school starting to go to college where critical thinking was a thing, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like it went away. But but critical thinking and just understanding scientific method, and I get this now where I talk to people and they say, oh, so you trust science. You know, science has been wrong, or science has been this, science has been that, or science is a religion, you hear that all the time, and it's like, no, 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 you're completely misunderstanding you think science is a thing or an institution. Right. The scientific method yeah, that's something has else. never exactly. been wrong because even when you think science was wrong, which it wasn't, science is always changing. It had a conclusion based on the evidence. At, because of that conclusion, we were able to find more evidence that changed our conclusion. That doesn't mean the original was wrong. That means the original was a building block. Based, but no matter how we got, no matter what evidence or no matter what we evaluated, no matter what final conclusion we come to, they all came to it via the scientific method sure. and double blind studies and peer review and all these sort of things. That is the best way we know as a, as of now at least, sure. to determine fact from fiction. So this idea that that's a religion or that that's, is, is people just misunderstanding what that is. And I think there's a skip in a couple of steps because, you know, when you go to people who, unless something <clears throat> has been shown in uh, lab conditions with a double blind, then it's not real. And right. that's not science either because right. that's taking the idea of the scientific method so far yes. that, that that I understand where people go, oh, you know, you're being a fundamentalist about science. But that to yeah. me is because you're not really being scientific right because you're taking your idea of science and applying it so rigidly that you're losing touch with what the method is which is really when you break it down is look at the damn evidence yeah. base conclusions on available evidence and revise it as new evidence come in very straightforward yeah. you know very very straightforward yeah and not everything is testable which is you know i get into arguments with the you know my field of study before i dropped out mm-hmm. to be a comedian was evolution and, and anthropology and um I get into arguments all the time with people who say, well, you can't, you can't create it in a lab or you can't, or, you know, people who, they're, uh, sure, they're very sure, sure. unscientific people trying to throw sure. science back in my face and say, well, you um, show me a double blind study that shows that evolution, well, there's, there are different types of, of course, of, sometimes you have to look at of evidence. Sometimes you have stuff that's, that's based on polls and mm-hmm. 
um, you know, it's, it's in retrospect. We can't, we're not going to recreate something that took billions of years sure. in a lab mm-hmm. overnight. Although we do see speciation and we do mm-hmm. see these things. But, yeah, it's a different type. We're observing all of the evidence. Mm-hmm. And, 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 yeah, it's not studies. It's not, it's not the way we would come up with a, a cure for, for, you know, Alzheimer's or something sure. like that. It's a, different, it's a different part of science, but it's still science, scientific think, evaluation. You know what sometimes bugs me is in people, regardless of where they are coming from, whether it is from, doesn't matter what they say as far as their political beliefs or their beliefs on the spectrum in terms of how much they are hardcore religion or science. What bugs me about everyone, not everyone, what bugs me about the people who fit this definition is sometimes the arrogance, the arrogance mm-hmm. of the I know it, you're an idiot kind of vibe, right. you know, which to me is like, maybe you are right, but that's still the wrong way to go about it. Right. And then there are all the times when people have not been right about shit and they are kind of like the religious fundamentalist approach is like, we know this to be the truth and there's no question. And right. it's like, hey man, Let's assume you are right. Let's tread lightly. Because human knowledge is always this ever-evolving field yeah. where it's very wise to just step delicately. Doesn't right. mean be a complete wimp and just say, oh, sure, you know, earth is flat, earth is round. It's all, you know, it's like, of course, you're going to have your right. beliefs and based on evidence. But at the same time, it's like, okay, let's... Sometimes what bugs me in some of this discussion, I get, is uh, when people take the name of science and take it to a place where I find a little arrogant, you mm-hmm. know, where, and to me, again, that's not scientific. Right. That's just like taking the name of science yeah. for, like I had a few discussions, like people were telling me things like, I don't know, um, acupuncture sucks. There's no scientific backing for acupuncture, right. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you seem very sure of this conclusion. I don't know, man. There's like, yeah. and to me, it's like even just uh, even just when you start with anecdotal stuff, it's like, why is it that for this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this worked really fucking well, where none of the other stuff was working? Right. Now it could be that it's placebo. It could right. be that it's whatever. But what about, you know? And to me, it's like, I love having like keeping an like I don't. I tend not to believe in anything. Right. I tend not to disbelieve in too much. Right. My approach is kind of like, hey, yeah, maybe you're right, but let's wait and see. Let's keep right. toying with it. Let's keep, uh, you know, before yeah. closing the door forever and ever. I mean, yeah, you close the door forever and ever on stuff that's so batshit crazy is not even right. funny. Yeah. But other than those cases, yeah. I like the tread lightly approach. I, I think I've, I'm guilty of being arrogant sometimes, but usually I think in those cases where it's mm-hmm. it's it's like... Man, we've done we we have so much evidence sure. that it's just ridiculous mm-hmm. at this point. But I think you know, uh, being an, an an atheist, that's my you know mm-hmm. I get called the atheist comic all the time and that sort of stuff. Is I, I don't call myself I call myself an atheist. I don't call myself the atheist guy. I don't sure. try to be. But people always say that about people. You always hear that from from religious people, mostly Christian people. Oh, er, atheists are so arrogant, and and that we deny the existence of God. That is a complete misunderstanding. It, atheism is exactly what you just said mm-hmm. you are on other topics when people say, oh, that's agnosticism. No, no, no. <clears throat> We're all agnostics on that subject mm-hmm. because Gnosticism speaks to what we know. Right. Theism is, speaks to what we evidence. believe. Sure, of course. So no one knows mm-hmm. for certain. I mean, we can say of 99% course. or whatever, but, but if you're going to be honest with yourself, yeah. even the Pope can't say he knows there's a God. Of course. And even Richard Dawkins can't say he doesn't. He knows there is no God. Of course. But Richard Dawkins would never say that. He would say, 
I am 90, I'm on the spectrum of, you know, yeah. negative seven to zero to seven. Yeah. I'm a negative seven. I'm as close to disbelief as possible. But there's always that possibility. There's always that opening that, hey, you show me this, I'll believe it. And at this point, I'm just holding out a belief, which yeah. is what atheism is. Mm-hmm. You have a belief in God or you just don't have a belief in God. You're not denying the existence. Sure. I just have not yet fostered a belief in any of the thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. of gods that have been been put forth yet because I haven't seen the evidence. If you come up with something, sure. Let's I'll believe it. Absolutely. It, right? And that's that's actually, you know, I feel how everything should be. You should be on some level. Totally. You know? I think that's how it is. It's like, until you show me. And, and again, to me, it's like, I'm not even denying that something may have happened to you that's real to you. But until right. it happens to me, until I see it, I'm not saying you are full of shit necessarily. It's not, I wasn't there. Right. I don't know. But it's not part of my universe. It's not part yeah. of my experience as such. It has not no real bearing to me you. yet. Yes. That's it. That's where we are, you know? Well, I think this... like what you're saying on the atheism, I think sometimes is people get into some semantic things on that mm, yeah. because then they'll take atheism as mean, no, the absolute belief that there is none, whereas mm. the atheism as the absolute belief that there is, and they argue agnosticism is the, I don't know, I don't have enough evidence. Right. So I think some of that stuff is, I always find the you like there are so many words mm-hmm. that I find uh, people go on having conversation for hours without really clarifying what they mean by those words to right. begin with. Oh, absolutely. And half of the time they argue about shit that is like, if you actually stop to think what you're saying, you're really not arguing that different. Yeah. But the way you use those words, like, I don't know, when you see in politics, for example, you hear, you know, somebody say the word socialism. And right. they picture like Stalin gulags. Somebody say this word socialism and they picture Sweden. And it's right. like, that's not exactly the same oh, thing. I, I literally got into an argument oh. yesterday because somebody said, I hate socialism, yada, yada, socialism, whatever. Yeah. And then they were pointing to the Nazis. Right. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it's that's national even, yeah. socialism. Yeah, that's and and I, have, I explained very cited sources, yeah. explained very. That national socialism is not, not socialism. Yeah, and exp- I, I literally explained to this person, you realize that we have, that governments have a system of government right. and an economic system. We are a capitalist republic. Or you can have a democratic socialism. Right. I said, so what we're dealing with in socialism is the economic, which there are nuances of different of of socialism. But, but, but a democratic socialism is... What people are talking about, they're talking about the, the, the government system of democracy where mm-hmm. people vote on things they want and this, and socialism in very easy terms yeah. that you, your taxes and your, your tax base goes back to you in terms of those things that you vote for. That's not remotely what national socialism, which is nationalism and fascism. Explain this literally. And the person was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, Have you like, ever even taken like a, like a high school level poli psych class? It's crazy that. I know. But, but yeah, it, it's the, well, the name socialism. It's yeah, like, and also it's like, it doesn't mean one thing, you know? It means right. there are many different variations on and some that really don't fit the definition very well, some that do. Right. But still, there's a range there by, forget what the actual term means, but what people mean by it, there's right. a whole range of things. Assuming there's one clear meaning that's the one and only, 
come on, man. It's yeah. like, like, let's look at the historical life. There's so much that happened and that is rightly or wrongly has been slapped under that label. Right. And so it's funny because then people will argue, or really, if you think like if somebody is making a pro-socialist, they think like Bernie Sanders is arguing uh, like a Stalinist argument. And it's like, yeah, that's not the same yeah, not thing. Even <laughs> not, not even in the neighborhood, you know, yeah. or like, or vice versa. It's kind of like... <clears throat> Or the way people use the word God, right? There is, uh, for some people, when they use that word, they mean literally like white guy with a beard in the sky. Right. It's like, okay, if that's what you mean, that's one thing. Right. Some people mean it in an almost cosmic, like Tao kind of way, like this universal energy that's like almost like, or something. yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's like, not even with a personality. So it's not, it's not even close, right? right. They, are, they mean completely different things. But the word they use is the same. Right. And so you're like, yeah, that's kind of a problem. Because then yeah. when somebody say God, what they mean is something entirely different from what the next person right. mean. And then they'll argue about it for six hours without right. realizing that you guys are not having the same conversation here. Yeah, you know? no, I learned years ago that, and I still don't always do it, but when you start arguing with somebody about anything, yeah. the first thing you need to do is lay down your definitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you totally. know what you're talking about. My mom is that way. My mom is um, mom's like a new age, spiritually mm-hmm. type person. And... Um, she's vaguely Hindu, you mm-hmm. know, but we'll start talking about God or whatever. And like, you know, her thing is, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's still nonsense, but it, but it's, you know, it's this energy, this, you know, mm-hmm. vibrating vibrations and all this kind of stuff. But we'll start talking about things and basically she'll, she'll say, well, oh, so, so you think that things started, you know, from the big bang and, you know, it's, it's energy that, you know, started a singularity and energy and whatever, and it became, you know, created matter and all this sort of stuff. And it was, and so basically at the beginning, it was this little very tightly compressed ball of everything, you know, and uh, she goes, well, that's the same thing that I mean. I'm like, well, then why do you give it this weird yeah, fuzzy yeah, name? Course, Just call it course. what, call it that. Right. Like, you know what I mean? If you, yeah. if there's 300,000 definitions of, of this thing, yeah. And you're going to say, oh, it's this other thing that already has another definition. Mm-hmm. Why not use the clear definition as opposed to the fuzzy definition? Yeah, it gets tricky because yeah, yeah. a lot of arguments are really vocabulary arguments where mm-hmm. people don't bother to check. I mean, it's so many words I see where that's the case. I see like the way people use the word, you know, you, you were mentioning before we started recording some of the stuff, you know, something like the word feminism mm-hmm. and the way it's taken today and the way... You know, from you got, you find people who argue feminism just as a basic, you know, men and mm-hmm. women should have the same uh, opportunities. Pretty yeah. basic. Other people who take it to, you know, men are the ultimate evil and they need right. to die because they <laughs> yeah. are the oppressor. And it's like, yeah, that word, that's feminist and that feminist, not, not even, even in the close. same universe. No. You know? So when you start piling it all under one big word, yeah, that's not exactly... that. Yeah. Those are words that are toxic because they screw up the conversations. Well, that's how I feel right now with, with lib- the word liberal. Oh, totally. I'm very liberal, and when I think of liberal, I think of... I know some people will say, you mean classical liberal. I don't know that I mean the classical liberal because that's a word now that yeah, people yeah. use. But I am... You know the definition of liberal when you look it up in the in the right. in the dictionary. That's what I believe in. Where it's you know it's uh, change and not always sticking to the status quo. And um, you know and and I'm left wing on many arguments. I'm I'm not uh, you know like I have one friend who's very right wing who always goes who who just really wants me to be libertarian. No, you're a libertarian. You're a libertarian. I go. 
I would say on some level I'm close to a social libertarian. Sure. Like I think you can do whatever drug yeah, you yeah, want to do. Right. You can have sex with whoever you want to yeah. do. All that, all that kind of stuff. I would be closely yep. social libertarian as long as you're not infringing upon anybody else's rights. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the the uh, the other side of it, the yep. fiscal sort of the you know I, I I don't believe that corporations should have free run of everything and there should of be course. no no restrictions and. And on that end, I'm I'm closer to a socialism yep. type. But nowadays, my, I hear all the time of my right wing friends go, "Oh, liberals this, libtard this, yeah, or whatever." Yeah, yeah. And I go, "That's not a liberal position." Like yep. the PC thing, right? There are many, many liberals that are very, you know, the social justice warriors, mm-hmm. as we call them, or, or the political correct police, yep. whatever. Those people are tend to be liberal mm-hmm. for sure, or, or call themselves yep. liberal. But that is a conservative ideology. That is that is censorship. Mm-hmm. Censorship is, by definition, a conservative ideology. So telling me I can or can't do something or limiting my free speech yeah. is conservatism. Totally. Even if you're doing it in the name of liberalism. So when someone goes, oh, you liberals this. No, 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 no. Hold up. Right. No, no, no. There are people that do that. But that, that is not a, 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 a tenet of liberalism. To limit people's free speech or tell that's it's that's a separate issue, and that's why I think sometimes really labels are just. I mean, we use them because it's they are useful generalizations so that we don't get lost in. Okay, what do you think about ten thousand things, and where do you fit? But the reality is that individuals are complex, and they don't mm-hmm. fit neatly in one label. Yeah, it's kind of like what you said. You know, in some stuff you'll fit. The liber- li- typical libertarian agenda. Yeah, I agree with 40% of it, but I also disagree deeply with this other thing. So right. where does that leave me? Also with this other thing, I agree with. But right. It's like, it's not that simple. No. And when people get into this conversation, like what you just mentioned, like especially when it becomes an insulting conversation, you mm-hmm. know, the kind of all conservatives might all be complete idiots or the libtards or that. <laughs> it's, I'm out, you know, it's yeah. just like... Come on, man. Really? It's like life is a little more complicated than that. Yeah. You know, there are human beings are not that. And it becomes too much the we versus them mentality, where it's like the assumption is you take whatever negative trait is associated with the group you don't like, mm-hmm. you blow it up to 110% and assume that that's all they are. And that's kind of what you said is like suddenly the image of what people mean by something like liberal become the worst possible aspect of a fringe group who kind of distorted what it means to be right. liberal in the first place and mean with something else and suddenly that's the definition of the word. Yeah. That's not even in the same universe. Yeah. And but so, but that happens more often than not nowadays. All the time. Especially and, with social media because the way people are so much more emboldened to to talk and you know you get a thread going and people will call you all kinds of names and mm-hmm. do this sort of stuff. And then you, you private message that person and it t- calms it down a little bit. You call them on the phone, it calms it down a little bit more. Of course. You talk one-on-one and you guys almost agree. Yeah, it's a reasonable, totally. It, it's very, it so is. it's very crazy how we have this Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all these, these things where we can, where people are you. Mm-hmm. And first off, you don't understand, you can't get the nuance, you can't get yep. the, the tone of voice, you can't, and, and we're arguing about these things. And again, we're much more emboldened and there's some weird thing there where, it's like the 15 minutes of fame. Like I'm, I'm arguing yeah. on this and I'm, it's my, my moment to be my moment to shine and, yeah. and, and be sensationalism, you know, have sensationalism almost like a reality show. And when you actually talk to talk to people, it's like, Oh, it's, this isn't, this isn't remotely where we stand on things, but we've, we've divided it so much now that it's. I totally. And I think sometime a lot of, um, 
It's weird because I've always been interested in politics, but at the same time, I find that so much of discussion involving politics or really most arguments that are on social media or anything end up becoming a colossal waste of time. And I have to <laughs> catch myself because I'm prone to falling into them. And then I'm like, why the fuck did I just spend an hour in this where really right. nobody ever changes their mind? Yeah. Nobody ever consider what somebody else is saying. You end up just yelling at each other. It's like, we really have nothing but our true here. It's like, yeah. and to me, in that sense, the focus become, okay, what do we actually have the power to change? What is the you right. have power on? Let's figure out things. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to not look at the outside world and pretend that the big picture is not happening. Because of mm -hmm. course it's happening and it's good to be knowledgeable and it's maybe good to have a discussion. But not so much energy and not so much animosity on something that more likely are misunderstanding, more likely are missing each other's points, mm -hmm. and most likely you're not going to change anyway. Right. You can make the best argument in the world and convince your three friends and nothing really changes yeah. anyway. So I'm like, maybe figuring out what I can do in, with my time and energy to improve the quality of life of the people around me, right. to figure out ways to have to never end up in this bullshit yelling antagonistic right. discussion. Because at that point, once it starts that way, it's done. Like right. nothing is good. It doesn't matter. Again, you can come up with the best argument in the world. Nothing good is going to come out of it right. at the end. You know, I'm going to feel better because like, I showed them yeah, that exactly. you are an idiot. But it's like, and so to me, it's like figuring out, and I don't have the solution because when people start, it's kind of hard to stop. But right. figure out a way to dial it back down at the level that you were saying. Whereas yeah. like if you actually are talking on the phone or if you're face to face, the conversation changes radically. Radically, yeah. And suddenly rather than being this me versus you yelling at each other, it becomes this more mellow thing where we can, uh, okay, let's I hear your point. Consider this other side. Right. Just stretch it. 5%, yeah. you know, just a tad. And, and that becomes a conversation where people can be civil to each other, may even learn a tiny bit from yeah. each other. And that's a good use of communication. Yeah, it's funny. I had this moment yesterday. I have, I have a handful of friends on Facebook that, see, I, 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 I get in a crazy heated, partly because I'm a comedian. Right. Um, which I have to walk the line being an of MMA course. trainer because there's a lot of like religious people in MMA oh, yeah. and there's a lot of right wing people in oh, MMA. Yeah. So I can't piss everybody off. But at the same time, I'm a comedian. I have to do what I, I have to say what sure. I believe and try to be funny and yeah. poke fun at things. So I'm always on Trump. I'm always, you know, making fun of the, you know, the hypocrisy and all that sure. kind of stuff. So I haven't, but I don't, I don't ever block anybody mm -hmm. or unfriend anybody, even if they're vile human beings. Because then my, what I usually, I'll post something and I'll walk away and yeah. I'll come back and there'll be 400 of posts of my friends just ripping this person. Yeah. But I have, I have a handful of friends that are, I, I can't say anything without them having their right wing friends and they, without them saying of something. And, and sometimes it'll, I'll come back and it'll be three days later and they're still arguing with my yeah, other yeah, friends. Of course. And, and people will go, why do you have this person on here? Yeah. They can't leave you alone. Does this person have a secret crush on you? Yeah. And it's the same four or five guys. Of course. Well, yesterday or a couple of days ago, I posted this thing about, it was just a science story and, um, about how there's an area where wolves, um, wolves and dogs and coyotes have created this wolf-dog-coyote mm -hmm. hybrid yeah. that's a new species. And yeah. the thing about it is dogs can't breed with coyotes, but they can breed with wolves. And I guess wolves can breed with coyotes. So even though dogs can't breed with coyotes, there's, a, there's this a, weird mix yeah. of all three of them that's well better adapted to its environment. So it's thriving. Mm -hmm. 
so the wild dogs and the wolves and the and the coyotes are, are now have this this new species yeah. that is thriving. So I posted it and I said I made a joke because you know um, evolution's my thing. I I said creationist logic hashtag creationist logic and I said then why are there still wolves? Right. Because the yeah, the joke people always say yeah, then yeah. why are there why still monkeys? The monkeys right. Yeah, yeah. And I one of, one of my friends who's one of those guys who who said yeah well this is this is done through breeding not through a- adapting to an environment. So I said, look, I don't mean to be mean, yeah. but this is kind of what I said. I'm not trying to be demeaning, but it, I, it's your, the way you stated that makes it sound like you've never taken a single class on evolution. So I wrote like a pretty long paragraph right. of here's how evolution really works. Yeah. It's all done through breeding. It's all done yeah, through, of course. you know, I said this idea that we adapt to our environment is nonsense. I said we adapting to our environment is a byproduct yeah. because you have an environment those who are better adapted pass on their genes because yeah, they thrive. Not, yeah, and they type over generations. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah, like if I course. need to lift, lift. if we live in a society where we need to lift heavy things, I build my muscles and pass on yeah, big muscles. Yeah, it's the people that are naturally stronger right. are going to thrive and, and then eventually you're going to have yeah. a group that looks more adapted to their environment. generations down the road, those guys will be, yeah, of course. Right, you, know, you, if you don't learn to climb a tree and pass on learned traits. Yeah. Those who climb trees better get the food. That's yeah. how it works. So I explain it to them and pretty and for the first time ever he goes wow thanks <laughs> okay i learned something and i was like what the hell that yes he didn't argue with me i was like this is i mean he's he's a fairly sometimes he's a fairly reasonable guy and sometimes i feel like he's just trolling me to get my go and sometimes yeah, yeah. i i feel like like he's just like almost brainwashed not just him a few guys where i, I go man is this is this for fun? Or is he arguing for fun? Does he really believe? Twenty different people just just explain to him. Yeah. Yet it's not changing his opinion. And you think, well, you can never change anybody's opinion. And then every now and then, Once somebody says, while, "Oh, cool! Like, Thank you for the for the information." Cool. That <laughs> works. I mean, yeah, it's a strange, especially yeah. Social media communication is weird. It's yeah, very. Strange. I mean, it's useful. To, it's useful in some ways, and it's really not useful in others. It's a, it's a it's a vampire of my time totally. for the most part. <laughs> I think it's uh, yeah. I always have to catch myself and be like, okay, just step the fuck away from it now. It's just not good. It's hard, and I I'll see like notifications. So and so commented yeah. on your thing, and I can't look at it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have it on my phone. If I look, because uh, I'm just like I spend enough time by the computer. Like, forget the phone. I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah, smart. Yeah, it's but yeah, it's a lot. Well, tell me a little bit. Uh, let's switch gears for one second. Tell me a little bit about your career as a comedian. What kind of, um, I guess, some of the stuff you have done. What kind of comedy you focus on? All of the good stuff. Without you right. start all that good stuff. Well, I mean, it's it, comedy is what I wanted to do since I was very little. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. The two things I was always interested in from the time I was very small were comedy and fighting, yep. and it's the two things I do. Beautiful. So I started boxing when I was six, and I and I started uh, um, not knowing I was doing comedy, but I could always do impressions. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of what for a long time I was known for that, yep. and then I got away from it because I it, it, it's often called it's also it's often being ha- hacky to do yep. bread impressions. Though I never felt that I did hacky impressions, I tried to do weird and obscure ones, sure. and I tried to put them in a situation that wasn't just here's Jack Nicholson as a grocery store clerk or whatever. Right. But I got away from it, and I've come back to it in the in the le- most recent comedy special I did. Um, but when I was a little kid, I would just imitate people, and my mom always says she remembers when I was you know like six years old. I used to wake my parents up on a Saturday or Sunday, or whatever, and I would give them the play-by-play of the football game or, or usually the boxing yeah. match. Because back then, 
boxing in the 70s, boxing, you could see a championship fight on Saturday morning wide world of sports. There was right. no pay-per-view. Of course. There was, there, I yeah. don't even know if there was HBO and Showtime back right. then. And, and it was just, you wanted to watch Ali versus Holmes. It was, it was on yeah, wide course. world of sports. Yep. So I would go in and I would, you know, I would wake my parents up in the morning and I, and I would be like, oh, wait, what the, the, and I would do like this Howard Cosell. And my mom was like, you know how, how, how uh, uh, annoying it is to be woken up on a Sunday morning yeah, yeah, yeah. To, by a six-year-old Howard Cosell. It's amazing you that know? you <laughs> survived to adulthood. Yes, exactly. So I, I just always could do impressions and, and that sort of stuff. And when I got older, I saw, oh, this is... There are people on Saturday Night Live and Dana Carvey and and Eddie Murphy and mm-hmm. and Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal and these people that did these characters and stuff and they were on Saturday Night Live and I said okay and then I got to start getting into comedy and then I started listening to Richard Pryor and George Carlin and and I and that's what I wanted to do and I bugged the the club and I'm from the Bay Area I bugged the the guy who booked the Punchline in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. From the time I was like 17 right. to the time I was 21. And he kept telling me like every week, every month I would call or email. Or I guess there's no emails. I guess I had to call back then. Um, yeah, thinking about yeah. it. Uh, eventually emails. And, uh, but calling and he would be like, no, uh, there's just no, we don't do an open mic. Yeah. You know, we have a, uh, you go to this other club. But then the other club, the Holy City Zoo, which was this iconic little place in San Francisco, was 21 and over. So right. I'm like, well, I can't get in yeah, there. Yeah. It's not my problem. And I right. kept bugging him, please, no, please. So finally, I, um, uh, 21st birthday, I went down to the Holy City Zoo, signed up, and there was this, you know, all these famous people there. Because right. it was like this cool place. Like it yeah. was like Robin Williams would hang out there. And, and at the time, Patton Oswald, who was not famous at the time, but mm-hmm. Bay Area famous, he was yep. a guy that you, know, you looked up to. And, um, and a whole these people that I'd seen do comedy for you know because I could go to the club at eighteen the punchline of course but, but I couldn't go on the stage right yeah the only one the only one that had the open mic was the twenty one and over yeah. so I would go to so I saw these people for years and I chickened out I'm like I'm not gonna follow right, these right, famous right. famous famous of people course. and my first time on stage and then I moved to L A and I uh, uh, had a little screenplay that I did and I moved to L A like a month or two later and and uh, answered this ad for a showcase at the Ice House and I. Um, did it my, my first time, got a standing ovation, Sweet. killed it. It was great. And then from that point on, I, it's, I started, I just basically did it for, in LA for a few, you know, for a couple of years, once a month, once right. every, whenever I could get up on stage. And, and, uh, and within a few years, I was doing it as a professionally, um, touring around, just doing comedy clubs. And I did that for a long time. Um, and just did regular comedy. I did some impressions and I did, you know, I, I always talked about, atheism and and mm-hmm. things that i think are silly um you know religion or or beliefs and things but it was also a lot about my family and my dad and my mom and, and just regular comedy and it was you know successful doing clubs and working yeah. 40 weeks out of the year and headlining comedy clubs and whatever and then um funny enough i had i had my, my daughter she's 13 now so when my daughter was born, I was living, I had moved back to the Bay Area, then I moved back down to Los Angeles, and I had made a movie, and I was mm-hmm. trying to stay around. I had an agent and a manager that didn't want me on the road as much, so I was doing less less comedy and more um, other things, voiceover and whatever, yeah. and um, trying to finish this movie. So I, so I was uh, working at this editing place and, and staying around, and um, ended up having my, my daughter, and then deciding, well, you know what? I don't want to go on the road at all. Yeah, of course. So I took about five years off, and it turned into five years of not doing comedy at all. Oh, wow. Not, not even like, local. Not even locally. Okay. I just was like, no, I'm not going to go out tonight. It's yeah. 10 o'clock at night. Go to the improv. No, yeah, yeah. I'd rather stay home and you know take care of my kid or whatever. Right. 
And when my daughter was six, so I'd, so I'd been out about five years. They're like, okay, you're an adult now. Fuck yeah, off. I'm yeah, going exactly. to the comedy store. Well, the funny thing is that, I, you know what it really was, is that she knew me as a fighter. Right. I mean, even though I didn't fight, I trained yeah, people. Yeah. But in her mind, it was like, oh, daddy does yeah. MMA. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is weird. I identify as a comedian. That's yeah, all yeah. I've ever been is right. a, my entire life pretty much as an adult. Yet, all my living. Five years of her life, that's what you are doing. Right. Yeah. So I said, well, on my, on my birthday, my wife was out of town and there was a little open mic. There was a coffee shop. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to go do comedy. You want to go? You know, so I took her. She was six. And she stood in the back and uh, I did got five minutes, you know, and I went up on stage. And of course, everyone there is doing three to five minutes open micers. They've never done it before. Right. I was somebody who headlined of 15 years on the road, you know, but they didn't know me. They just course. some yeah. random guy. So I go up there and I completely crush it. And my daughter's in the back going, whoa, what's going That's on here? That's a whole other game now. And I could right. see her eyes like, whoa, this is so cool. That's awesome. And uh, from that point on, I said, you know, I'm going to get start doing comedy yeah. for me. Yeah. I don't need it for a living. Yeah. I've got, you know, I'm training the fighters and I'm doing voiceover work and I can edit. I've got all these right. other things I can do. I'm just going to do what I like doing. Yeah. So I started going up on stage and talking about subjects, not even with bits. Like mm-hmm. today I'm going to talk about chemtrails. Yeah. Whether it's funny or not, I'll make it funny just by sure, sure. by doing you know. And it might be more of a TED Talk lecture, but I'll, but it'll be yep. you know. Started doing that, and um, it was crazy. Like a year back was the most prolific time of my life. Mm. I wrote like two hours of pretty good material, and started working it. And I couldn't get back into clubs because I'd lost some favor with some of them. Of and also, they're not going to let me go up and experiment with. 45 minutes of religious material yeah, yeah, yeah. in it's, you know Tucson, Arizona. They're going to be like, no, we, we don't want you walking our club. So I had to book my own shows. So I started right. booking shows and targeting atheists and skeptics and sure. science communities and going online and finding meetup and Facebook pages that are the San Jose science yeah, yeah. comp, More you know, whatever. Lines. And just marketing them and saying, hey, I rented this theater. Come and yeah. see me do comedy. And I started building an a audience that way. And I ended up shooting this, uh, this comedy special um, December 21st, 2012, if anybody knows, remembers that date, that was the Mayan right, apocalypse. Of course. And uh, I did it. It wasn't meant to be a special. I was just going to do a show and I was trying to go live on Sirius XM. And, I'm sorry. I no. have to say that because no, no. uh, Ian is being modest. And so you guys need to know about this because that's rather important. Turns out that the Mayan apocalypse was the real thing. And mm. the world was going to end, and it was it, right? So yeah. the only way it actually worked, I don't want to bother you with all the explanation for how it was or the complicated science behind it, but basically the only way to avoid the Mayan apocalypse was Ian Dwinney's thing. Yes. So if you guys are breathing today, you can thank yes. this man because on December 21st, 2012, he did what needed to be done and yes. put the universe back into balance. That's and now true. everything functions. So you guys don't, didn't know it yet, now you do. Now you do. See, and it's irrefutable. There's no way. Absolutely. There's no way to. Yeah. Uh, so my, uh, what I did is I said, "I'm okay." Nine o'clock our time. Twelve o'clock New York time. My goal was to do this thing for SiriusXM. Go live, and the and the whole promo was the world's going to end, mm-hmm. and at twelve o one, which will be December twenty second, if the world is still here since the whole day is yeah. gone, then we'll go live to this comedy special. I called it "Live right. from the Apocalypse," and. uh I was going to do it, and through my connections from years of doing working yeah. in the industry, my friend said, well, why don't I just bring some cameras, and why don't we shoot the thing? And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. So we, I had a theater here in, in uh, Los Angeles, right across from the CFI, the mm-hmm. Skeptics Group Center for Inquiry. 
packed the place out and we 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 taped it and um and that was the first special that I that I did um and you know I went through to distributor inception media group it took about a year and a half for them to actually get it out so I changed the name from live from the apocalypse to critical and thinking mm-hmm. because um you know, because I, I, I didn't want it to be tied to the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Now although, it was kind of old that you're in the math. Yeah. Right and and I opened... Like, I still opened up with... Apo- I mean, I kept the apocalypse jokes sure, in sure, there sure. because there's an apocalypse happens every six months. Right. Uh, so who knows which apocalypse I'm talking about yeah, now. Exactly. Doesn't there's really a new one anyway. How many specials have you done? All in all. So this is... So I, that was my first. I've done two now. Okay, cool. Um, I just released a second one called Ex- Extraordinary mm-hmm. or Extraordinary, depending on right. how you want to look at it. That's yeah. one of the jokes. Um, and that one just came out in December... So it's out right now. And um, yeah, and, I, and it's just, I've been doing this whole skeptic, atheist, going after right. science nerds. And I, I, you know, I do like Dragon Con every year. Mm-hmm. And I do these, you know, conventions of anything science or skepticism related. Um, I, I do a lot of conventions and I do my own self-produced shows. And, and funny enough, now actually some of the clubs are coming back around because they see I've got an audience. Right. And they're course. like, okay, well, oh, yeah, as yeah, long as your audience is here yeah. and you don't walk our audience. Yeah, you bring your own, so we're <laughs> right. good. Where can people find um, the specials? Um, so anything, any place that you can video on demand, Amazon, okay. Amazon Prime, iTunes, Google Play. Um, the current one, Extraordinary, is on all the cable VOD sites right now. Okay. Like if you have Comcast or AT&T, AT&T Uverse, I think. I'm not sure which one's Comcast Charter. So if, you, is, yeah. right. so if you search Switch. Ian Harris Extraordinary, it pops up. It's, you know, it's probably you got to rent it or something. And it's, within the next three months, it'll be on, that one will be on Amazon Prime. Okay. The cool. old, if anybody does go out and watch, let me, let me warn you. Watch the new one first, and I'll tell you why. Because my, the first one, like I said, I've only been back doing yeah. comedy for a year or so. It's very heady, and I'm not saying that like patting myself on the sure. back like, ooh, I'm smart. The comedy was designed to be, like I said, some people said, wow, this would be a great TED Talk, not a great comedy yeah, special. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So and other people are like... in between the kind of comedy, but also kind of very yes. heavy and serious, whereas the new one, you're also going in a more recognizably comedic direction. Exactly, gotcha. exactly. So people, some people who go, wow, I've never seen comedy like this. This is the best comedy special I've ever seen. And then other people are like, this isn't comedy. This, is this guy com- should kill yeah, himself. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I say watch the new one, which is more comedy, if you like it. Then you can watch exactly. the other one, and you'll really appreciate yeah, the. F- yeah. Which I think the first one has the best writing in it, but there's a lot of talking and not. Of it's course. not jokes per minute. Of course, of course, of and course. And it's not sometimes that you got to think. Second laugh. Yes. Sometimes it's funny, man. When you watch some comedy, it's hilarious because there are times when people have been tuned in. That is like, okay, every twenty seconds, the laugh. It's time yeah. to laugh. And there are times when the guy says something that's not even remotely funny and people are laughing and it's yeah. like, you're just going on the rhythm. It's like you've been used to, okay, I right. made you laugh 20 seconds, at 40 seconds, at 60, at 80, yeah. at 100. Now we're at 120, I say something totally not funny and everybody laughs and you're yeah. just like, what just happened there? You know, it's, like, but it's weird too because comedy now, and again, not sound like an old bitter guy, but... There's so much comedy out there. Netflix has gone a little crazy sure. with putting so much comedy out that, and, and even the really great comics, um, there's several really good comics, very famous comics that have put out very mediocre comedy specials sure. because they're throwing money at them. It's like, here's a ton of money to do a comedy special. Well, I just did one three now. months ago. Right, of course. I don't have a new hour of material. Yeah, of course. Well, just just talk for an hour. And it's like, and, and then there's also a lot of like young people that have, or up and coming comics or whatever, alt comics that have a following sure. or they're YouTubers or yeah. whatever the deal is and they give them comedy specials and, and I watch some of these people and I say, 
that's and they're killing it. The right. crowd is dying, and I'm like, that's not even a well put together joke. Yeah, or yeah. there's no punchline. They're just telling, right. or they're telling something that somebody else said to them, which all comics do on some level. But if your entire act is telling, relaying stories that happened to you, and they're kind of humorous, but you're not writing any punchlines, I'm yeah. like, I guess that's its own thing. You're right. humorous, but it's weird that it gets this huge reaction to me. And then meanwhile, I'm very meticulous in the exact word I sure. use and the setup and punchline. Even if it's got a long setup, yeah. I'm telling you something and it's got a punchline. And when it doesn't get a laugh and then I hear some special guy just kind of telling a kind of humorous story yeah. that, about something that I've heard a bunch of times and there's no punchline. And it gets this uproarious yeah. laugh. I'm like, is this just because these are their fans and they're yeah. programmed to laugh at anything they say? I think there is an element of that. I mean, I think it's kind of like once you build a habit, it's hard mm-hmm. to break it. So right. if you have, if you recognize that face and, oh, that guy made me laugh 20 yeah. times, by time 21, he can say something not funny at all. And yeah. you buy it, there's a good... I mean, there are, even in podcasting, there's some people that I think are awesome podcasters. But when I look at their body of work, they were considerably better a while back than they are now. Mm-hmm. And now they are 10 times more successful than they were a while back. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense because the quality yeah. has gone... It's still and good, down. but the quality has gone severely down. Right. And I'm just like, okay, that's just a habit. You know, you hit a critical mass and you keep rolling with right. it by inertia. But it's not because the new material is really as good. You well, know? I find that too. I think with comedy is there's just been this... It's just society in general. There is a dumbing down of society mm-hmm. in general. And um, the stuff that passes... I have a, a friend who, you know, we uh, I, listen, I listen to... I hate... As much as I, I don't even really like comedy anymore... Just because I've heard it so much sure. that, that you got to really surprise me. Yeah. But I listen to the comedy all the time because I want to hear what's out there. I want to see what sure. people are doing. I want to make sure I'm not stepping on anybody's yeah. material or or they're not stepping on mine or whatever the deal is. So I'll listen with other comics sometimes, and I'll and I'll say, "Do you do you think that's funny? Do you think that's funny? Because right. this person's famous, and I don't I yeah, don't find I don't that funny." Yeah. And and. Or somebody who, who people say, oh, this person's genius. This person's mm-hmm. smart. Or I'll see, they'll take a, a clip and they'll turn it into like a, a, a thing and it's got 30 million yeah, yeah, views yeah. and it's like, what a, what a brilliant line by sure. so-and-so. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a brilliant line. Yeah, to me, yeah, that it's... was obvious and easy. And, and my friend goes, well, oh, it's, it's smart comedy for dumb people. Yeah. And yeah. I go, yeah, there, there's a lot of that out there. I don't mean dumb people, but there's, there's a lot of this like people want to think that they're they're hitting the intellectual, th- of course. but you listen to it and you go, that's no, it's common sense. That's yeah, not really yeah. that or, or the word, the wit is not that w- well-written or not that witty. And the stuff that passes for witty nowadays to me is, isn't at all witty. And the stuff that's really witty, like if you think about some of the old Mark Twain stuff sure. or, or George Carlin yeah. or, or, or Richard Pryor, some of these really incredible, well-written word, yeah. well-worded witticisms and people go, I don't get it. That's dumb. No, yeah. it's not dumb. Well, <laughs> I think that's the problem. I think like success, and we we're talking about it before we started recording, but success is like real actual talent is a fraction of what makes somebody successful, which is why careers in the entertainment industry are maddening, which is why mm-hmm. it's probably a really healthy thing that you have something else going at the same time. And someone to punch. Because if you have, <laughs> yeah, because if you have the ups and downs of entertainment, it can drive you crazy because half of the time there's no rhyme or reason. You right. know, stuff like what's what suddenly is popular, what is not, what people like of the stuff that you do. I mean, there's stuff that I've done where people are like, this is amazing. And I'm like, 
yeah, I really don't think so. I think huh. it's like barely passable. Right. And then there's other stuff that I'm super like, I'm like this is the best thing I've ever done. And, and people are like, yeah, it. it's cool. And you're like, I always see yeah, the same bizarre, stuff. Here. right? And so sometimes it's, it's like that. You know, it's like that's why it's impossible to to think in those terms. And of course, you have to think in those terms if your career depends on it, if it right. depends on how you pay your bills. Right. But, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, screenwriting. I think what's the statistics? Something like for every hundred screenplays written, one gets done. Right. Something like that is insane. And, yeah. you know, when you watch the amount of crappy screenplays that get to be turned into things, <laughs> you, you think, okay, the one is because it's amazing. Well, some of the time, Right. Some of the time it's just crap and it's just lack of the draw or mood the guy was in that day or it hits that particular topic that they are into. Right. There are 10,000 reasons why things get done. And it's not... And I think it's funny that your other thing would be MMA because MMA is pretty straightforward. You know, right. once everything is said and done, two people get in there, one will win, one will lose. And overwhelming is based on talent. You know, yeah. there's the occasional lucky thing. There's the occasional... But, you know, it's how it is. You know, yeah. talent pays off in sports. Yeah. In entertainment, talent kind of pays yeah. off maybe some of the time. Yeah, if you have the opportunity lucky. and yeah, the yeah, right like, look or whatever. The talent deal is. is one of many, 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 many factors. Right. You know, and, uh, and so it's a very, that's why to me it's like I find sports mentally relaxing. Because mm-hmm. you don't have that bullshit of exactly. Right. You can come up with the most well-crafted argument, and the other guy goes, "That's bullshit." And he's right. like, "Yeah, that's we're not playing the same game." Yeah, know? exactly. Like, whereas in sports, it's pretty clear. You yeah. know, it's like you score more baskets than I do, you win, and you get yeah. more money. I yeah, get exactly. the big knee KO. Highway. It's like right. There's no. Con- there's not as much controversy. There always is controversy in everything, but there's right. so much less than yeah. there is in. And I find that mentally. Like, ah, that's a breath of fresh air. You right. know, it's not, we're not trapped in our heads all the time and with things that are so much more subjective. There's a certain objectivity to something like fighting where it's yeah. like, you either get it or you don't. You know? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. Which is why I always say, like, I dream of the UFC of religions where you could have, you know, Buddhism and Islam go in the cage today. Because, <laughs> right. you know, people argue for religions forever and ever. And there's never a resolving point because there are no objective standards to it to judge the value of an idea right. that everybody recognizes. Right. Whereas, you know, you can get the Wing Chun guy and the Taekwondo guy, throw them in the cage, and you'll have objective results. And right. if you put 100 Wing Chun guys and 100 Taekwondo guys and the results are heavily skewed one way, right. well, then it says something about the training methodology. Right, yeah. It's simple, you know. Yeah. It's why UFC was awesome because it's like, yeah. yeah, people in martial arts do the same thing as religions. You know, they would talk forever about my way is the best. Right. Well, martial arts is not religion. You actually have to prove it. Right. You know, and that's like, ah, oh, <laughs> we can relax. That that's so much more. I, I actually made a joke one time. Not not that I would say this on stage, but just you know, people always <clears throat> at the end of fights. Oh, I want to thank whatever yeah. Jesus or whatever, yeah. and I always say, how about think. Your trainers and your training method. And I, I thought, I go, yeah. here's what we could do. Let's take some people with zero training. You believe in religion A. You really yeah. believe in religion B. You believe in religion C. And then you can take somebody who doesn't have any religion. They're allowed to use science, which means they can train. <laughs> 
put him in the cage, yeah, yeah. and let's see whose God is greater. Right. <laughs> but, because I have a feeling it has to come, it comes down to the training and yeah, the talent for the most part, not of an yeah. important element. <laughs> and it's always funny. It was like, thank you. I remember like Vitor was Vitor Belfort had this big. He always says the big Jesus speech, right? Yeah. But he had it back in UFC 40-something where he just split Marvin Eastman's head with a knee. Yeah. And they showed, you know, they were just oh, saying like, Vitor going, thank you, Jesus, for giving me the strength. And they pan on Marvin Eastman's head that's opened. I think Rogan <laughs> called it in one of his glorious moments. He called it, it looks like a goat's vagina. It was just this giant red cut across his head. And he was like... Really, we're hearing like, thank you, Jesus, for giving me the strength to split this motherfucker's head open <laughs> yeah, until exactly. you can see his skull pretty much. <laughs> right. it's like, okay, yeah, I don't yeah, know about yeah. your Jesus, but, yeah, exactly. but I understand it wasn't quite like that, but okay. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, hilarious. It's, it's, always, it's always funny, and, and, and it's also, also funny, too, because... You never, obviously, you never see anybody who loses because there's just the other guy was probably just as religious yeah, as you were. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like, do you think Jesus was up there? The, like, or my no, favorite? I'm, I'm is, going for this uh, guy today. Yeah, totally. There's that. It's like, yeah, fuck this guy. He yeah, exactly. Trade it off this week. Yeah, exactly. Or the yeah. Thank you for. Le- I wouldn't win without you. And then when you lose, it's not that you say you motherfucker made yeah. me lose. It's Damn like, you, Jesus! It's like when I lose, it's my fault. And when I win, it's not because of me. It's yeah, like it's, it's some sort of a. It, it's kind of a weird. On some level, it's an ad. It's admirable in the sense that it's humility on yeah, some level, which is good. Yeah, humility is good, but also, I think it's ruined. I think it ruined Fedor. Um, on some level, because Fedor didn't used to be a religious guy. Mm-hmm. He got married and he converted, yep. and then he started having his Orthodox, it was like an Orthodox Christian yep. um, guy training with him. Remember those, I don't know if you saw those videos like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he had this, the guy, he, he almost looked, I, I guess it's Russian Orthodox, yep. they almost look Jewish with the, and they've got the same, um, they have full beards sure. and the whole, and that, his, his guy would train with him, right. his priest or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and then he started wearing the big wooden cross yeah, thing, yeah, and all, and and you would hear him say stuff like, "Well, if it's you know, if it's God's will, I'm gonna win." It's like, remember when it used to be Fedor's yeah, will? Yeah, exactly. I like it's Fedor's like, will better than God's will. Yeah, it works that way. There was a period Rampage came back up, but there was a period where Quinton Jackson uh, was in a super religious phase where right. he started getting knocked out over and over. But then right. he's he He actually came back out and yeah. started. He was like, "Come on, him. fuck Jesus! I, I need yeah. to get back to training." Yeah, it was funny. But it's it, yeah, it's crazy to me. It's like sometimes they sometimes it becomes this like excuse to lose or excuse not to train because well, if it's if it's not up to me, it's not up to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, make it up to you, and then and then you will really go. You'll go a lot harder. There won't be any. There won't be any backup plan of well, it's not. It's not my will. It's God's will. In you know? MMA, there's a lot of that. Like yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot of hardcore religious people. It's interesting. Kind of like makes you wonder why that is. But yeah, there's a bunch. There's it's funny some. though. There's actually I, I, there is there. I think in all sports, really. Yeah. Um, and. You know, and I mean, it could be, and this is again not trying to bash religion, but I think it, partly it could be that a lot of times, you know, you, you think of the people that do sports, and uh, and a lot of a lot of times it's people who, I mean, if you think back to the jocks in yeah, high school, course, like, they weren't the kids that were studying philosophy. Of course, of course, they were the ones that like, this is my ability, I'm going to go off and do yep. this, and so maybe they, we weren't sitting around thinking about 
the world and the, the universe. Of life and, yeah, is you got to hit twenty five hundred double legs today. So yeah, exactly. Just wrestle. Yeah. But in, I do find that there is there or there are quite a few pretty intellectual people in MMA. Oh yeah, there's that too. More sure. so than than a lot of other sports, um, a lot of other physical sports, sure. I'd say. And I think because there's there's so much in MMA that you have to do, and mm-hmm. there, it's it is very intellectual at times, like the game planning and the yep. and what you need to do with all of the you know you you can't do it all you, you can't be the best wrestler the best striker yeah, the best jiu-jitsu guy you have you have to be good at all of it and find your thing find your jeet kundo if you will and yep. you got to focus on that and then you've got to then you got this guy who's got his thing and how do i beat that thing yep. and how do i make him fight my fight and 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 there's all these things that you end up getting and, and also a lot of martial arts remember when we were young martial arts was like if you took karate you were probably a nerd. Right, like, right, right. The cool guys didn't take karate. The cool guys played football or, mm-hmm. or hung out with the girls or whatever. They, whatever. Well, the nerdy guys went and did karate after school. Right. And now there's a lot of jocks with the wrestling and whatever. But there's still this base of martial arts having this kind of philosophical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this nerdy background roots. So you do have a lot of people that come at it from this philosophy Definitely. area or, or this or this intellectual background yep. so it, it is pretty interesting um because there is a really good mix of people yeah, in is, mma for sure you know but yeah there's still a lot of the how long have you been involved in the whole mma world um well i've been training fighters specifically for mma since 2003 okay so, so been, uh, 15 almost 15 years. well at the end of 2000 so about 14 and a half years i and, remember uh our mutual friend Leo Hirai. Yes, uh, I remember his uh, Shuto fight. Yes, that was hilarious. But it's like this. Um, yeah, he hasn't been on the podcast, but yeah, this friend of ours who cones my gym. Yeah, he got. It was hilarious because he was a case. That's the case of strategy, right? Because he was getting his ass kick pillar to post. Yes, he lost literally every second of the fight <laughs> except he won it because yes. there was the one. You know, the other guy was better at him in striking, was better at him in takedowns. His jiu-jitsu was probably even, but because the other guy was getting on top, uh, right. it was kind of harder to work from the bottom. So he's like, yeah, good luck winning because you're losing in almost every aspect. Yeah. And then he figured out, okay, there's one thing where I'm going to be better than him. It's going to be the lag long game. So I just need to yep. bring it there. And so you have this hilarious case of this dude who loses literally every second of the fight and wins the fight because he managed to bring it to the one aspect yeah. of MMA where he can win and turn it around. Yeah, it's it's funny because I tell people this story. I was just telling somebody this story the other day. Because, um, you know, yeah, Leo, we, we opened up a gym about six oh. months ago and Leo is one of the owners. And Oh, yeah, um, sorry, guys. I always mention, you know, before and after fight science when I say, oh, you know, you guys want to train oh. MMA, jiu-jitsu, uh, go to this place, mention the Drunken Taoist. That's what we're talking about. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. well, thank you. Uh, Ian yes. and Leo are uh, the guys. Yes, and, and it's funny because a lot of guys don't know that, you know, the people, the people he's, he's not the face of the gym. He comes right. here and there, but yeah, yeah. Julian and I yeah, are the guys, guys that are the do all the trainers. teaching. Yeah. So every now and then Leo pops in. Yeah. The other night he taught, he taught, he goes, hey, you mind if I teach uh, jujitsu tonight? Yeah. I said, sure. He goes, I'll just, he goes, I don't know what I'm going to teach. I'll just teach leg locks. Of course. Go ahead. That's what... So he taught it and they li- liked it. And I was telling the guys, I said, you know, years ago, Leo had a fight in the only, the first and only Shooto America. Yep. So, and the thing is that I had a I used to train a guy that was um, Japanese, and he uh, from Japan. Uh, he was huge. He had tons of he managed people, and he worked for Pride, and he worked with all these different people. And he was the one responsible for for helping Shuto come to America. Get to work, right. So he said, "Hey, um, let's get let's get a guy from from the gym 
on the Shuto America yes. card. And and we said, how, how about how about Leo? Right. Because Leo's Japanese yeah. Yeah. and um, Japanese and American. I mean, he's yeah. been here for a long time. Whatever, it's Japanese American. That would be that would be great. Um, and he goes, they, they love leg locks. And Leo's good at leg locks. I said, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. So we get him a, a, an opponent. The guy he fought um, was actually at the time had, had only had a couple fights yeah. and looked okay. But now that guy still fights. Oh yeah. And he's um, good record. He has a pretty good record. He's got a couple titles and a couple smaller shows. He's fought in Asia. He was the the Muay Thai coach at Mark Munoz's gym for yep. a while before it closed down. And uh, yeah, Rasha Shipman, he's a re- pretty, pretty good guy. But I remember telling the guys from, um, when we got there, the Japanese guys, they spoke very little English from Shuto. And I said, um, uh, we're gonna, he will win. He'll hook. And they went, oh, oh, he'll hook, he'll hook, right. he'll hook. Okay, oh, he'll hook. And I was like, yeah, he'll hook. And they're like, oh, okay, 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 you know. And uh, they're like excited about that, right? So yeah, first round goes out, and he just that guy head kicks Leo. Three seconds. Square. Yeah, exactly. And Leo's big head, he just like just walks right through right. it. Yeah. And then he hit, kicks. Then he throws a Superman punch. Yep. Whap. Leo walks right through it. Yep. And then and then I remember Chad, who was one of the guys in the corner, goes, "Move your head, Leo." And Leo, all he did was just start like wobbling his head back and forth. He didn't like like <laughs> yeah. like no head movement. He didn't know what that guy was talking about. And then the guy hit him again, yeah. and I think Leo clinched him up, and they went to the ground, and they wrestled. And he actually had a, had a good position at one point, and, or, or even a leg lock and lost it or something. Yeah. And then the guy got up on top, and then the first round ended, and he was like, we're in the corner. He was like, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. There's nothing. I'm like, you ended up on the ground yeah. last time. He's like, I, I said, when you get on the ground, just do what you do. You, you, you'll right. go back there. And then... The second round happened, and the guy shot and took him down. Yeah, that was a bad idea. And we were all, everyone looked at each other like, like, "Thank you, thanks." Yeah, of yeah. Course. And then he 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 caught the leg lock and he hooked him and he yep. tapped. And we were walking out of his ring, walking out of the ring, and as I walking out of the ring, we're walking back to the locker room, and the three uh, the three guys or two three guys from Shuto came running up to me. Like so excited, and they go, "Oh, you hook, you hook, you hook, you hook!" They were so excited. I go, "I told you, I told you." They're like, "Yeah, you hook." They were so excited that he that, that the Japanese American dude won the Japanese the um, first American Shuto show yeah, with the heel hook. They I thought it was of, so cool. Yeah, that was a big deal because they had like three different guys from Japan, good Shuto guys. Yeah. For whatever bad luck, they all lost that night. So yeah. Leo was actually the only Japanese guy to win that night. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it was kind of. I mean, it was like I said, it was really cool because it was. Japanese show, first time in America, yeah. a guy that was, you know, Japanese, but yeah. had been in America for a long time. And it was like, win by the thing they like, which is like, it was just, and getting his butt kicked and then yep. coming back. It was, a, it was a really, and that was his one and only fight. Yep. <laughs> after, fight again. You know, the funny thing after that, they uh, had offered him a fight uh-huh. and they were like, oh yeah, there's this guy in the Midwest, we can get you a fight. It's, you know, not a bad gig. I think you yeah. can beat him and stuff. And, and the guy was Donald oh. Cerrone. Yep. And he was just like, oh, I'm glad you didn't take that fight. Well, the funny thing is that we thought about it, but I go, you know, I know this guy. Yeah. And at the time, he was training with um, uh, Dwayne Ludwig. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, I've seen this guy fight. I, said, I know he trains with Dwayne Ludwig. He's yeah. supposed to be a really good striker. I said, but all of his wins are by triangle. Right. At the time, he was like 6-0 yeah, and yeah, with yeah. six triangle wins. And I said, this guy, and he's pretty big. I'm like, if I remember this guy, I said, yeah. he's got, I go, I know they say he's a Muay Thai guy because right. he trains his ways, but this guy's good on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And I remember saying, "Yeah, let, let's hold off on this one." And then, like you know, a year later, he's, he's Cowboy Serrano. He's like you know, a couple years later, whatever it was. 
Yeah, we always talk about that. Uh, yeah, that's a close call. On the other hand, then he pulled it off and somehow ended up in a lag right. because you don't have a win on Donald Cerrone. That right. Would be- and, and even if you lose, yeah, it's hey, I fought, I fought Donald Cerrone in my second fight. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, yeah, 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 that was a close one. That was yeah, I, I, I've had a, I had a moment like that before. A, um, we uh, when I was I was you know I first started training guys fighting, and you know I'd been I'd been doing jujitsu, I'd been doing yeah. all this stuff for a while, but you know I didn't know anything about weight cutting. I wrestled for a couple yeah. years, but I was the smallest kid in my school, so yeah. I never cut weight. Yeah, of course. So I didn't really have to deal with it. I didn't know anything about it. And at the time, I was like not in good shape. I mean, I wasn't in horrible shape, but yeah. I was 175 pounds. And, you know, I, I didn't realize about yeah. cutting weight really. And and this is when the UFC – I don't even know if the UFC had weight classes at the mm-hmm. time, 2003, 2004. Not by then, yeah. I think they, they just started yeah, to. Yeah. Before that, well, they had three weight classes. Right, Remember the, the big ones. Right? 179, so, yeah. 179 or 69, yeah, exactly. 199, yeah. and then heavyweight. And then I remember when I saw Pat Militich, I thought – because I thought, oh, I can make 169. Yeah. I saw Pat Militich. I'm like, he's 169? I know, yeah. Cause it's I'm like, like oh, okay, I guess this weight cutting thing different than uh, I thought. Yeah. And I remember they said, King of the Cage, no, no, it was um, this fight in Mexico. We were going to Mexico for some of our guys. Back then, it was yeah. still illegal in California, so we had to go to Mexico to fight. So we were going down to Mexico to fight, and the guy, the promoter, called me and said, I got a, I got a 170. Um, we need someone to fight. Would you take it? I said, yeah, well, sure, maybe. And I'd never fought before. I'm of like, oh, maybe I'll do it. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd done, again, boxing and yeah. Muay Thai, and I've done all the elements, but I'd never fought MMA. <clears throat> and I go, sure, yeah, I guess I guess I could, I'll think about it. I go, um, they say it'll be at 170. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm about 170 right now. I could do right. that. Who's the guy? Uh, this guy named Mac Danzig. And uh, I said, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think I've heard his name before. That's I think right. he fights King of the Cage. And, I, you know, and then that day we, do, we used to do Sunday. We used to do Sunday uh, open mat. And um, my friend Mark Beecher... Hyena, yeah. they call him. He's a. <clears throat> he went on to be a pretty well-known. Trained Matt Brown, trained right. Forrest Griffin. He's a good Muay Thai guy, and he used to come and roll with us on on Sundays. And I told him, I said, "Yeah, they want me to fight this guy on on the show. They want me to fight this guy yeah. named Mac Danzig." And he goes, "Don't do it, don't it's do it." Bad he idea. Goes, that guy's like ten years younger than you, and he will kill you. Yeah. He goes, "That guy's really good. Don't do it." Right. And uh, I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Don't." I, I tell you. And then I ended up not doing it, obviously. And we went down there, and he ended up fighting a. Akbar Ariola, uh-huh. who is now in the UFC, who's, yeah. who should have been in the UFC ten years ago as well, right. very good fighter, and uh, beat him. And I watched him like, so I, I always, I always go, Mark Beecher saved my life yeah, because I would have got my ass kicked. And then years, the funny thing is, years later, I trained with trained with uh, Mac. Yeah, he just trained in and out with us, and and you know we consider consider him a friend. And uh, in fact, he just did a comeback fight, and yeah, he came and came so and trained at our gym for yeah. a, for a while for that comeback fight and won. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny because I, I, I always go, man, talk about dodging a bullet there too because, yeah. you know, in I was MMA, th- 35 years old. And, when you know. it comes to matchmaking in MMA, it's always dangerous business, especially yes. the lower level where you have no idea how you're going to fight. And it yeah. could be the guy from the parking lot or it right. could be somebody who turns out to be a monster. And it's and people always say stuff like, well, he's a debuter. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, right mean now shit. I'd be a debuter. Exactly. I mean, I'm 47 years old, but still, I would still, yeah. I'd still do pretty no, well. Black. People who are jiu-jitsu. Like awesome I and people who are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, Being a debuter mean doesn't mean no, anything. Really Having 20 doesn't. fights doesn't mean anything if you're not technically skilled or yeah. you're not tough or whatever the deal is. There's a lot of elements that go into I actually would rather fight somebody who's had a couple fights so I can look and see yeah, how yeah, their you tendencies know what are. It is, totally. you rather know what than a debuter. Like, a complete unknown. It's like, eh, I don't know what to expect. I don't like that. Yeah, but I they mean, always throw that out there like that, like that's 
Oh, don't worry about it. He's never fought before. He's a debuter. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not reassure me the yeah. slightest. At some point, Vitor Belfort was a debuter. Exactly. At some point, exactly. <laughs> at some point, Jose Aldo was a yeah. debuter. So it was Anderson Silva. I'm totally. sure they were good when they <laughs> debuted. Well, and it's awesome that you're getting. Uh, I mean, some of your guys have fought Bellator, some of your guys fought UFC. You're getting a lot of uh, different, like the big major organization. Yeah. You're gonna get me Sam fighting in yes. one, so you, you gotta cover the whole world as far as places where your fighters fight at the highest level. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. We'll go. I'm leaving um, tomorrow. No, next day to London for UFC. Nice. Uh, Terry Onware. Oh, he's fighting. He's fighting. Um, man, they don't give this guy any breaks. His first fight, the guy was 16 and one. Yeah. Eight days notice, close decision. Second fight was the hype. They were hyping up that Sean O'Malley kid, right, right, who he, he should have and could have beat, but it was still a very close fight. Yeah. Came down to the third round, and that kid's on a roll, yeah. hype train. And now they're giving him Tom Duquinois, who is beatable, but. Really good, high-level competition, yeah. and we're in his backyard. Yeah, we're yeah, fighting yeah. in England. That's, I mean, it's, it's clearly it's funny how matchmaking works. It's like they are clearly setting him up, and the idea is, you know, we're gonna give him a fight that's he's a tough guy and he's really good. So he's not setting it up not right. in a way that looks completely ridiculously unfair. But it's obvious in the matchmaking who they want to win. Right. Like, oh, we'll put it in his backyard. We'll do it after he had a really tough fight. A lot. You know, it's like yeah. some people, they catch breaks. You can clearly see how their career oh, is yeah. being built a little. And some people, they just get thrown to the walls. And I mean, of course, you, have, you always have a shot. Right. But you're put in conditions where the odds yeah. just are less favorable. At that level, everybody's tough. Tough, yeah, for sure. But clearly yeah. some people get the yeah. special treatment and some people don't. But the good know? thing is, like I said, I mean... We had two fights that could have gone either way, and, sure. and that were both fight of the night candidates. Yeah, yeah. So it's good showing on it, man. And I, I like to think that they're not obviously they're putting him against a guy in his backyard, yeah, all course. that sort of stuff. But I also like to think that they're looking at this and going, two of the best strikers in this division. Yeah. This is going to be fight of the night. Exactly. I, I kind of feel that hopefully that's that's what they're doing is right. is they're going this is a toss up fight. But yeah, they're def- they're clearly trying to you know. Yeah, um, yeah, there's the because I mean, at the end, they make money anyway, right? They're yeah. gonna build whoever wins, but in their mind, they always have the idea of we think can okay, the local guy, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, I, I think we're looking for, I think, it, I think it might be a, an upset. Well, you know? by the time uh, these releases, yes, we'll be you'll past know, that yes, absolutely, we'll know yeah. what's up, but that's cool. But yeah, predicting, predicting from the future, yeah, from the past. I don't know, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll go back and date it, and you'll do uh, exactly a description of exactly what happens, and yes. it's gonna look like Jesus, he yeah, exactly. It all. It's yeah exactly. How did he know a minute at three minutes and 23 seconds exactly. that he'd land a right hand and knock him out? Well. Psychic. I exactly. got it from my mom. That's genetics. It's that good uh, shoot an arrow and then paint the, <laughs> paint <laughs> paint the circle the around, around it afterwards. Yes. yes. That's always my favorite way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff. I, you never miss. Once on the MMA website of the ones where you can gamble and stuff, these guys were such dumbasses, they forgot to close the, the bets. After no. a fight had just ended, so there was like a thirty second where you knew the result and you could still bet on the fight. It was glorious. It was one of my proudest moments. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. I've had I had a friend that did uh, that did that with his friend. Yeah. It was like one of these fights, like uh, oh tape it a, delay. It was a, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. and they didn't know they it's don't know it. it's tape like, delayed because you know the Bellator does that a yeah, lot. Yeah, where it's even if it's live here for some reason, I don't think it's them. It's it's the cable network. Yeah. Airs it at nine o'clock. Yeah, on the West Coast, even if it's 
taped on the West Coast at six o'clock. Yeah, yeah, of course. So it's you like you can go online and find out the result, but the people yeah. watching it think they yeah, but they think it's live because exactly. it says it's live, and you're watching it at nine o'clock live, yeah. and you go, oh, it's live, but yeah, you already yeah. know the results. If you, and I've known people that have done that a few times where they're like, hey, I bet you this happened, this happens, this happens, That's happens. Pretty funny. <laughs> and they're no they're way. live or something. I dig it. Well, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anything else, you know, Facebook page, Twitter, anything where people can check out your stuff? Yeah. Um, it, well, my website is ianharriscomedian.com or you can, all, it's also skepticcomedian.com. They go to the same place. Yeah. And then uh, um, Facebook and, and Twitter are at Comedioker. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's mediocre with the CO in front of it. The right. comedy, right? Medi- uh, it's a, what do they call that? A Portmont. Too, right that's uh, so that's the gig <laughs> yeah cool. so uh, comedioker and yeah i mean please if, if i'd love to see if, if uh i tell everybody if you go amazon google wherever uh and watch my special extraordinary or critical in thinking either and or both um if you like it please leave a good comment if you don't like it remember nobody cares about your opinion <laughs> right exactly it's like forget that it's exactly. like that's all good yeah but exactly the, and if you guys are in LA and you want to go train at Fight Science um, the link is always in the episode notes yes and thank you for that of course as of course cool awesome awesome thanks sir almost a wrap for this episode of The Drunken Taoist. A couple of quick things I want to mention. I forgot to give this guy a shout out in the intro, but uh, I've been trying CBD capsules from cannaway.com. It's spelled with a K, K-N-N-A-W-A-Y.com forward slash 2496006. Again, that's cannaway.com forward slash 2496006. The link is in the episode notes, like all our other links. If you dig CBD, whether in capsules as an oil or any other form, please give these guys, uh, you know, give a click to it. See if you, what you think of these guys, if you like their stuff. Uh, I've been trying it for a couple of months now. I'm digging it. So check them out. But before any other, anything else, I want to give thanks where thanks are due specifically to the sweet folks who have been donating this month so let's go ahead and screw up their names let the pottering begin this month we have the sweet folks who donated are matt chebre michael gates jonathan waterloo stephen mckee harry johnson oh, rich evers best friend right there samuel mcnichol Aaron Weisner, Lisa Robles, and Marine Connors. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys are awesome. Of course, big shout out to the sweet people who have been sending us their stuff all this time. As I mentioned in the intro, Onnit is currently having a program that they are launching. It's basically a body weight workout that you can do at home. It's called Onnit 6. And you can find it at onnit.com forward slash S-I-X. So six spelled out. Um, I haven't got a chance to try it out yet. The little that I've seen looks super interesting. So 
check them out. If you're looking for a way to jazz up your workouts, that may be the way to go. Also, shoutouts to DynastyForge.com for sending some amazing blades my way, and that's always a soft spot, you know, like... You send me blades, I'm in love, you know. It's like, I don't know why, I just adore swords for whatever reason. And, um, you know, clearly Datsusara, who has been sending us all the good hemp gear all this time. Uh, particularly backpacks, computer bags, but, you know, I, when I work out jujitsu, I'm in a martial art uniform made by Datsusara, when, you know, all the good stuff is there. And speaking of workout jujitsu, nevertapgear.com, sending knee braces that are super helpful to avoid blowing out your knees when you're working out. I dig their stuff, nevertapgear.com. Last but not least, short design with the coolest t-shirts on the planet. Speaking of t-shirts, if you are interested in Drunken Taoist t-shirts, they are... Oh, one thing I should mention, a couple of people have ordered t-shirts, then I email back saying, hey, you know, what's, uh, what size do you want? And I never hear back, and then I email them again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Still no answer. So, you know, you paid, please let me know what you want so I can send it to you, that would be sweet. Check your email, it's always a good thing. And what else? Of course, if you guys shop on Amazon, if you can please remember to use our Amazon link, it's super deeply appreciated. And with that, we are done. And I wish you a very good day. And in case you're wondering, the word I just said, good, is spelled G-O-O-D, but somehow I spell it like there are 22 vowels at the end of it. Good. That's the one. So have a wonderful one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-L-E-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's.
<laughs> so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.